Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Type 2 diabetes is a major public health concern with high morbidity, mortality, and healthcare costs. Research indicates the majority of patients with type 2 diabetes also have obstructive sleep apnea. Dr. Priscilla Ding is here to speak with us about that today. Dr. Ding is a health outcomes researcher at Purdue University. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Ding. You're presenting a session titled Associations Between Polysomnographic Phenotypes of Obstructive Sleep Apnea and Incident Type 2 Diabetes at ATS 2021. Can you please give us an overview of your session? It's my privilege to be here today. I had the privilege to collaborate with Dr. Zingchung and Yagi, both of whom from Yale University in this study. Their research team had previously identified seven obstructive sleep apnea phenotypes from different polysonography metrics using unsupervised machine learning methods. And these phenotypes were named according to their distinguishing polysonography features. For example, one of the seven phenotypes was named periodic limb movement of sleep. And that's because it was characterized by having the highest periodic limb movement of sleep index and a low respiratory event frequency as indicated by relevant polysonography metrics. In addition, Doctors Zinchunk and Yagi's research team previously discovered that objective sleep apnea patients with different polysonography phenotypes had different levels of risk for cardiovascular disease and death during a five-year follow-up. Because our common interest in the associations between cardiometabolic risk and sleep disorders, and because we suspected that the pathophysiological process in the causal pathway between OSA and cardiovascular disease may also link OSA with type 2 diabetes. We conducted this study to determine the relevance of the seven polysonography phenotypes for risk of type 2 diabetes in patients who went through OSA evaluation. In this study, we used the data from the determinant risk of vascular events by apnea monitoring, abbreviated as the DREAM study, which was a clinic-based observational study of a cohort of veterans referred for evaluations at veteran centers in Connecticut, Indiana, and Ohio. None of the patients had type 2 diabetes at baseline enrollment. In our study, in addition to determining the relationship between the seven polysonography phenotypes and newly developed type 2 diabetes during follow-up among these veterans, we also compared the predictive value of polysonography phenotype for type 2 diabetes with that of the apnea hypopnea index, commonly abbreviated as AHI. Currently, HI is the metric used to describe the severity of OSA. HI measured the intermittent hypoxia and arousals during sleep in patients with OSA. So my section will be covering in more details about the study methods and our main findings resulting from the study analysis. You mentioned some comorbidities and associations, but if you could dig in a little bit deeper, what are the comorbidities and also the associations of OSA and incident type 2 diabetes? 
In terms of the comorbidities of OSA and insulin type 2 diabetes, OSA and type 2 diabetes are both well-known risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And as we all know, cardiovascular disease is still the leading cause of death for both women and men in the United States and in the world. There's also increasing evidence suggesting that patients with OSA are more likely to develop type 2 diabetes compared to those who didn't have OSA. And our study will be one of them adding to the current evidence. Also, I wanted to just provide a little background about obstructive sleep apnea. Objective sleep apnea, which is commonly abbreviated as OSA, is a potentially serious sleep disorder in which breathing stops involuntarily for a brief period during sleep. It's seen in all age groups but it's more common in older adults and those who are obese. Normally, when we sleep, air flows smoothly from mouth and nose into the lungs at all times. Periods when breathing stops are called apnea, and in patients with OSA, the normal flow of air is repeatedly stopped throughout the night. The flow of air stops because the airway space in the area of the throat becomes too narrow. So snoring is characteristic of obstructive sleep apnea and untreated sleep apnea can cause health problems, especially different types of cardiovascular conditions such as hypertension, heart attack, and stroke. And recent studies also found that patients with OSA have an increased risk for the development of diabetes. Although many studies in animals and humans have been conducted trying to explain the mechanisms link OSA with diabetes, we still don't know whether the associations between OSA and diabetes is due to the effect on insulin secretion or is due to OSA being a marker of obesity and insulin resistance that increase the risk of type 2 diabetes or is due to a sheer mechanism. We just don't know the answers yet. Can you tell us more about what kinds of patients were involved in this study and did any specific patient characteristics contribute to your results? In this study, we had 840 veterans referred for OSA evaluations at the three U.S. veteran centers participated in our study. And again, none of the veterans had baseline type 2 diabetes when enrolled. The mean age of these patients was 57 years, and they were primarily males with a median body mass index of 33.4 and a median apnea hypopnea index of 12, which suggests most of them had mild OSA because an apnea hypopnea index range between 5 to 15 indicate the presence of mild OSA. In terms of patient characteristics contributing to our findings, as I said, our sample consisted of mainly male veterans, and most of our participants were obese. As we all know, obesity is a risk factor for the development of type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease, and that could potentially contribute to a higher risk of type 2 diabetes in the cohort. And however, we did additional analysis to adjust body mass index, the changes of weight over time, and the changes of BMI from baseline when assessing the associations between polysonography phenotypes and insulin type 2 diabetes. 
and the adjustment of those did not change the associations between polysomnography phenotypes and type 2 diabetes. Another factor to consider is that we have a primarily male cohort, which could limit our ability to generalize our findings to the general population. But based on the results from some previous studies, gender did not modify the association between OSA and the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. How will this research impact clinical practice in the management of OSA and incident type 2 diabetes? Thanks for the question. In this study, we found that the incidence of new onset type 2 diabetes varied according to polysonography phenotypes, with the highest rate in the hypopnea and hypoxia phenotype, followed by the arousal and poor sleep phenotype, the combined severe phenotype, the rapid eye movement and hypoxia phenotype, and then the periodic limb movement of sleep phenotype, the mild phenotype, and lastly, the non-rapid eye movement and poor sleep phenotype. Another finding is that we didn't find a linear relationship between apnea hypopnea index and type 2 diabetes incidence. For example, the combined severe phenotype had a low rate of incidence of type 2 diabetes during follow-up than the hypopnea and hypoxia group. But the hypopnea and hypoxia group had a lower HI compared to the HI of the combined severe phenotype. We also found that the hazard ratios of developing insulin type 2 diabetes during follow-up was greatly increased for patients with hypopnea and hypoxia and periodic limb movement of sleep phenotypes as compared with those with the mild phenotype for insulin type 2 diabetes. When comparing type 2 diabetes predictive value between polysonography phenotype and HI, we found that adding polysonography phenotypes to the current known diabetes risk factors increase the predictive ability of future development of type 2 diabetes. But AHI did not, according to the findings of the likelihood ratio test in our analysis. Go back to your question, in my opinion, in addition to further showing the link between OSA and instant type 2 diabetes, our study provide evidence that polysonography phenotypes can help predict type 2 diabetes among individuals who were referred for OSA evaluation. But we also realized that further studies are needed to confirm our findings in other cohorts, such as a cohort with more women or a cohort from the general population, before making any recommendations for clinicians to make changes in their practice. However, our findings suggest that some high-risk OSA subgroups might not be able to be identified by using AHI alone. What would you say is next for research on this topic? As a next step, we're hoping to validate these seven polysonography phenotypes that were identified in the current study in external cohorts that have all the polysonography metrics we used 
in this study. We are working hard to find such data sets and we welcome suggestions from our audience. Additionally, we will include some of the new metrics of physiological sleep disturbances, such as hypoxic burden in identifying polysonography phenotypes in future studies. Also, we plan to conduct a future study to evaluate whether treating OSA can change the associations between the different polysonography phenotypes and the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Can you summarize what's the overall take-home message for our audience? Well, the take-home message is first, I believe it's essential for our audience to realize that there are independent associations between obstructive sleep apnea and cardiometabolic diseases such as heart disease and type 2 diabetes. Secondly, they need to be aware that other polysonography metrics, in addition to the apnea hypopnea index, can be helpful to them in identifying high-risk OSA patients, especially those with higher cardiovascular disease and diabetes risk. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Anything that you think that we missed? Yes. In my opinion, I think our study demonstrated the value of a research project involving a multidisciplinary research team. Our team have physicians and researchers from sleep medicine, endocrinology, neurology, pulmonology, statistics, nursing, and engineering. Each team member contributed to the development and implementation of the study, as well as the preparation of the findings report. We are grateful for each of their unique contributions, without which we couldn't have been able to successfully complete our tasks. And we look forward to future collaborations together to discover and present more answers to the clinical and scientific community at large. And I want to thank you all for listening and also thank you for the opportunity to share our study with all of you. Well, thank you for being with us today. We really appreciate your time and all of your work on this. Thank you.